speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The Old Testament reading for today is from Exodus chapter 17. And the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, we read about ancient Israel and how they were enslaved to the Egyptians. Yes, the Egyptians, they worked the Israelites with a harsh brick and mortar labor, as well as a tremendous amount of difficult work in the fields. They not only worked them hard as slaves, but they set out to actually exhaust them Yes, to weaken and exhaust and cripple their body and their mind, to keep them under their thumb. Indeed, to oppress them in every way and every form. Which is the reason why the Israelites cried out and they groaned. Yes, they cried out and they groaned about this oppression, this slavery under Egypt. Now their cries did not go unnoticed. God heard their groaning. God heard their cries which is one of the reasons why God called Moses to be the prophet, the prophet, to lead them out of bondage, out of Egypt. And to accomplish this, God promised to be with Moses, with Moses' mouth, and to teach him what he should speak. And get this, he also gave Moses a staff. Yes, he gave Moses a staff, through which Moses would do great signs. And so, as Moses came before the Israelites, the Egyptians, and that Pharaoh, he actually spoke the word of God with authority. And then he did miraculous signs with the staff. For example, Moses took the staff, and he came, and he struck the Nile River, and it turned to blood. After that bloody river, Moses was told by God to stretch his staff out, which resulted in frogs pouring into the land of Egypt. And with that staff in his hand, Moses was told to strike the dust of the earth, 
the dust of the ground, which resulted in gnats overtaking every living being. It does not stop there, though. Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and God sent thunder and hail and fire down upon the earth. Later, that same staff, it was brought up. And as a result of that staff being lifted up, an east wind and millions of locust grasshoppers appeared. Sometime after this, after all these horrific plagues, Moses took that same staff and he stretched his staff over that sea and it divided, allowing the Israelites to go through that sea on dry ground to safety. Now, as a small side point, it's actually not small, but you get my gist. It's important to know that the plagues against Pharaoh and the pretend pagan gods of Egypt, they were done to show the falsehood and the lack of power of the Egyptian so-called gods. You see, the false Egyptian god of the Nile was named Nihilus, but he was powerless. He was powerless to undo the blood of the water. There was also an Egyptian false god called Seb, the god of the earth. Guess what? He was powerless to undo the gnats of the dust. And then to name a few more, Shu and Nat, they were the Egyptian gods of the sky, and guess what? They were powerless to stop the hail, the fire hail from the sky, and so forth. You get the picture. And so, through the mighty word of God spoken by Moses, and by the mighty miracles done by Moses through that staff, the Israelites, they were delivered. Indeed, they were delivered from harsh slavery, from harsh work, and cruel bitterness. Now, one would think, one would think that this deliverance with all of these mighty plagues that existed, that they were able to witness, that all of this would somehow produce an incredible amount of gratitude among the Israelites. A sense of, yes, gratitude. However, mankind's sinful nature should not be underestimated. You see, after the Israelites were set free from slavery, they set out to a, a place where they set camp, a place where they set camp called Rephidim. Now, unfortunately, at Rephidim, when they set up camp, there was no water, which led people to, yes, grumble and complain. Now, to a certain extent, we can empathize with the Israelites, for water is a necessity to life. However, take special note of our Old Testament reading from today. As we contemplate and hear this Old Testament reading from today, we hear that the people not only complained, but there was a deep embedded grumbling. They actually said this. They said, Moses, why did you take us from Egypt? Why did you take us from Egypt and drag us all the way out here with our children and our animals to die of thirst? In other words, we should go back. Moses, let's go back. Yes, let's go back. Now, dear friends, it is typical that we Christians, that we cry out to God for help when difficulties come our way. We cry out to God to help us get out of a pickle, to bless us with a gift or remove a difficulty, and that happens all the time. However, here's the point. If things do not go the exact way in which we expect, well, we begin to grumble. We begin to complain. We actually forget about God's past kindness, about God's past faithfulness to us. See, we need to remember 
the Israelites, they cried out for help. And then that cry was answered through the prophet Moses. And then in the next moment, they're out at Rephidim, and then they begin to complain and grumble again as if Moses and God were the ones who led them out to die. They seem to forget about all those powerful plagues, all the mighty miracles that were conducted, and all the great, oh, that great oppression of slavery that they were once delivered from. They forgot about all of that stuff and grumbled. I don't know about you, but in contemplating the Israelites, I see myself. Who of us in the sanctuary has been free from grumbling and complaining? Certainly not me. Who of us have been free from forgetting all the good gifts that God has given us when we've been given to complaints, the groaning of the soul? Or even worse, oftentimes what happens, we complain and grumble when the good gifts we receive are not the exact specifications of our liking. You know what I'm talking about. In one breath, we can thank God for a new car that we have been given, and in the next breath, well, we can be complaining about the interior color of the car, or God gives us a good gift of a job, indeed a job that provides for our daily sustenance, our housing, our meals and dress and all that, and yet we complain about a silly policy, maybe on a dress code. Let's hit a little closer to home. We give God praise for providing the finances in this church for brand new carpet, new ovens, new stoves. And then we can easily complain about the pattern of the carpet color or the brand of the stoves and the ovens. You get the picture. To make it more interesting, let's hit even closer to home. We actually came into this church here this day. We gathered together to hear at the beginning of this service in this absolution as the pastor came up to this font and to get to hear how we are baptized, how we're claimed, how we're forgiven, to hear that absolution poured into our ears, that we're forgiven for Christ's sake of all of our sins. Yet 10 minutes later, we will mumble and complain about singing a 10-verse hymn. Yes, don't get me wrong. I know you were grumbling about that 10-verse hymn. The reason why I know that is on Wednesday when I saw that hymn, I grumbled as well. We all know it. So we are hearing this wonderful gospel. We're absolved of our sins. We hear the goodness of the gospel, and yet we will mumble and complain about a 10-verse hymn that is meant to bless us with assurance. We actually act and function as if this hymn is 10 long verses of curses that we have to sing when there are actually 10 verses of blessings. Furthermore, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you and I have been rescued. We have been rescued from hell. We've been rescued from the wrath of God and death itself. Yet at the first sign of adversity in our life, whether it is a lost job, a health problem, an attack from an enemy, or a financial hardship, we're quick to cry out, God, have you left me? Do you not care for me? Have you left me here to die? You see, the problem with Israel is the same problem with you and me. We're all plagued with impatient unbelief. Our faith is weak. Our faith is easily irritated and impatient. It's actually like we have amnesia, all of us. We quickly forget all the blessings that God has done for us and to us, 
And like those Israelites, we forget God's provisions and are quickly and easily given to grumbling and complaining and even attacking God for not giving us what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. Now remember that staff of Moses that we talked about just previously? What should God have done to the Israelites for their impatient unbelief? What should have God done to their grumbling and complaining and quarreling against Moses? Keep in mind that they were so agitated and worked up against Moses that Moses actually thought he was going to die, that they were going to stone him to death. Personally, I wouldn't have blamed God, and I wouldn't have blamed Moses, if Moses would have taken that staff in his hand and struck the Israelites to death. That is right. That sounds harsh, but think about it. Just as Moses took that staff to rain down a plague on Egypt, I would not have blamed Moses for using that very same staff to rain down a plague upon those Israelites to smite every single one of them for their ingratitude, their grumbling and complaining. As we think about our impatient unbelief too, and our grumbling as Christians, I have to confess I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed of myself. Studying this text, this scripture is so humbling. We have been given so many gifts. The Lord has given us daily bread. He has forgiven us of all of our sins. He has protected us from the evil one. And yet, at the first sign of struggle and pain and adversity, I don't trust but I question and I complain. Why, God, have you brought me into this predicament? Have you left me here to suffer alone? Do you not care about me? And so God would be completely just to strike down each and every one of us just as he unleashed his wrath upon the Egyptians. You'd be just to strike Matt Richard, strike you. However, he does not. Did you hear that? He does not. You see, instead of using Moses' staff to strike Israel, Moses was instructed, as we heard here this morning, Moses was instructed to strike a rock, and that very rock poured forth water for undeserving and impatient grumblers. Likewise, God would be fair to strike down all of us for our impatient, grumbling unbelief. However, he does not. He does not. Instead, he struck his only begotten son on that cross so that his son might pour forth blood for undeserving and impatient grumblers named Matt Richard, as well as, indeed, undeserving and impatient grumblers at St. Paul's. We get what we don't deserve. You see, that staff of Moses did not wield down the wrath that they deserved, but struck the rock to give them what they did not deserve. And the same is true for you and for me this day. We do not deserve the grace that the Lord has given us in our baptisms, and we certainly do not deserve the grace that he gives us in the holy absolution. However, he gives it to us because we have a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God who is rich in mercy and abounding in love. We have a God who not only saved us, but continually sustains us in the midst of our grumbling, in the midst of our complaining, in spite of our complaining, by striking Christ on the cross so that his blood may be poured out for you and for me. 
the same blood and body that we receive at this altar today. Baptized saints, God is merciful. It's so good to hear that. It's so good to proclaim that to you. God is merciful because of Christ. He does not give us what we deserve because of Christ. And he is gracious because of Christ. He gives us what we don't deserve. We are given Christ and his gifts to forgive us, to keep us, sustain us until life's end. This is most certainly true. Those Israelites received life-giving water when that rock was struck. You receive the same life-giving water because Christ was struck for you. Indeed, this is most certainly true. Grace for you. In the name of Jesus. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.